Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. Welcome to episode nine. This is Why is Risk ID All Over the Map? Well, so far in our podcast series, we've discussed core concepts of enterprise risk management, the way I conceptualize it, the way I recommend it. And part of that is to focus on what I call high quality risk assessment, that is, as opposed to some informal or ad hoc method to identify risk. So the first step in high-quality risk assessment is to establish the context, which we discussed in detail in the last two episodes, and discovered why it was so important to set out a context paper to explain the scope and assumptions that will feed into the discussion of risk. Doing that prevents so many uh, misconceptions and procedural hiccups so that your meeting time is really used to best, best advantage. And all that now leads us to the point where we have to actually start to identify risk. You know, in earlier episodes, in the first few episodes, actually, we discussed some uh, survey results. That is, how are folks making out with the idea of trying to implement ERM in their organizations? How is their risk ID process going? Do they feel at all confident in their ability to identify risk and so on? And a lot of the survey results have been quite dismal, and that's like an extended trend over many years. Now, you would think that developing risk information would be really beneficial for the organization, and intuitively, you know, that is correct. The trouble enters in when there are so many different conceptualizations, uh, definitions, and methods that are sort of thrown in and all characterized as legitimate risk ID methods. Well, what we're going to do in today's episode is deconstruct all of that, not simply to be negative or to be grumpy, but to lead you to some clarity as to what a real method really is and how it follows closely on a carefully considered definition of risk. Now, I'm going to be reading from a a piece of, well, conventional advice, and I've got this in my book. If you want to see the reference, you can go to my book and find out what it is. But for the purposes of today's discussion, you know, I could have used virtually any piece of conventional advice from the standards and government literature and some of the uh, uh, consultants' literature and so on. So the premise is that risk, as identified in at least three of the standards, they, they sort of overlap on this point, has to do with the uncertainty that is associated with intended goals and objectives of the organization. Okay. So Keeping that definition in mind, let's go through this list of supposed risk ID methods. Number one, interviews and surveys. All right, well, I grant you that interviews and surveys are indeed legitimate methods to actually gather in ideas about what risks are, in other words, to to collect risk information. The great advantage of interviews and surveys is that you don't have to convene any meetings. You can go and visit the people or electronically visit them, so to speak, by administering a survey. 
Now, the difficulty here is that interviews and surveys have pitfalls for those who are not trained in research methods. Why do I say that? Am I just being you know, too picky? No. The fact is that respondents in interviews, individual interviews and surveys, will have widely varying ideas as to the definition of terms. For example, the definition of what a risk is. And then again, what the scope of the discussion is, what the context is, as we covered in the last two episodes. So um, people who are not trained in research methods will often sort of go out and willy-nilly gather in all kinds of risk information um, and struggle to aggregate that information, I might add, without having a clear idea about the validity of data, about uh, bias that can enter into the collection of data. So I've seen this happen where people have gone out and collected risk information from senior executive, and they used the interview method because it was easier to, to get to those people using that method, except that they didn't take into account the fact that the respondents, um, as I said, are going to have uh, varying ideas as to what the definition of a risk was. They um, responded to the notions of risk in different ways, sometimes in an alar alarmist fashion, sometimes not having the same concept as to what the goals and objectives of the organization actually were. And without uh, checking all of that, uh, then you, you simply have no reliability. There's no validity of data because there are too many um, uh, elements of bias that are entering in and ruining the quality of your data. Now here I, I can almost hear people objecting, saying, no, no, this is a, a valid thing. Uh, what you're objecting to, Edward, is just sort of on the margin. Uh, generally speaking, people understand what their goals and objectives are, and when we talk to senior executive about risk, you know, we get answers that make sense and so on. Well, here's my answer to all that. I'm betting that the results of your risk assessment um, could be much better it's much more likely that, especially in the first go-around when you, when you try to do this, that the results of your risk ID uh, efforts will be to simply have a vague rehash of all of the issues that are already sort of known and understood and bandied about, but without much you know, a concrete conclusion being drawn from them. I've seen this time and again. So, you know, you can continue on this method if you simply want a general vague rehash to be the result for your risk ID efforts. But what I'm suggesting is a method that is much more rigorous, that really uh, is incisive and insightful. And I will get to that. But for the uh, purposes of today's discussion, let's just be clear that interviews and surveys have problems with regard to validity of data, especially when you don't bother to set out the scope and assumptions with the participants beforehand. Next item, audits or physical inspections. Okay, so that's supposed to be a way to identify a risk. Well, no. If you conduct an audit on what already exists, it's a way to identify um, compliance issues. Therefore, the risk has already matured, it's already happened, and it, it does not consist of uncertainty, it consists of a, a breach in compliance. That's what an audit will uh, tend to unveil. Same thing with a physical inspection, whether it's in an engineering environment or looking for, you know, fire hazard and all the rest of it. You know, are you simply going to 
uh, conduct your risk assessment by virtue of compliance? If so, I'm not saying that's entirely invalid, but I recommend you take a look at busting myths. Um, that was a previous episode. Number 11 was the idea that compliance constituted a truly effective enterprise risk management regime. The next risk ID method is brainstorming. No, brainstorming is a method to generate all kinds of ideas without limit, without constraint, without definitions, without any assumptions. That's the whole point of brainstorming, to be creative in a wild and, and woolly fashion. Therefore, any risk that you identify with such a method is going to be mixed in with so many uh, illegitimate, improbable and unworkable ideas that it's simply not a practical method. Well, going down my list here, the next one is questionnaire. I characterized questionnaire just the same as I do survey or interview. In other words, there's going to be a huge risk for data validity problems here. Notice too that in a questionnaire or in a survey or in an interview, an individual interview, there's the problem of isolation. You've got people responding to these questions in isolations without the benefit of uh, a group process. So I will get into that in more detail later on. Okay, the next risk ID method listed here is networking with peers, industry groups, or professional associations. Okay, well, networking is <laughs> too vague, first of all. It's not really um, a defined process. And there's no uh, differentiation between general discussion and risk identification in that, that is implied in the term networking. The next one is judgmental, speculative, conjectural, intuitive. All right. Well, is that a method or is that simply a mental process to identify a risk? It's a mental process, but it will have to have some procedural context, and it doesn't tell me where what that is. It just tells me that uh, the mental process of intuition is, is valid. No, I actually agree with that. But within certain constraints and certain uh, procedural context, which is not explained here in this list. Next one, history and failure analysis. Well, there again, we're looking at what happened in the past. So if we examine the history of risks that matured, of failures that occurred, let's say in engineering or in any other uh, domain, then we've seen where risks um, came to pass and actually resulted in real problems, in real crises or uh, accidents and so on. That is not following the definition. The definition has to do with uncertainty. Of course, you can take that information and project and, and use it as uh, inspiration, but that's not what it explains in this list. So following on that point, examination of personal experience or past agency experience. Of course, when people identify risk, invariably, they're going to be drawing upon their professional memories. So I think that almost goes without saying. Next one, incident, accident, and injury investigation. Well, there again, we've got the risk that has already matured, and that's going to inform our risk identification for future actions. The next one is scenario analysis. That is useful for developing, as the term implies, a, an entire scenario, a whole picture of a certain situation where all kinds of risk will be incurred um, in one situation. 
And what comes to mind there is business continuity and emergency planning. So, of course, that's a valid method, but it does not really apply to identifying risk to a given uh, administrative context, a set of goals and objectives, and so on. A scenario applies to a specific incidence of crisis, not to a general plan. Next, so-called risk ID method is decision trees. Okay, well, I've seen examples in textbooks of influence diagrams where all kinds of various influences feed into a certain decision with probabilities attached to, attached to each of the elements, the various branches of the tree. Well, I find that very impractical. A typical risk ID session is going to generate, in my experience, between 30 and 50 risks. If you have to trace through the decision tree or the influence diagram, that leads to each of those risks, you'll never, you'll never get done. You won't even get started. And the other thing that enters into this part of the discussion is that we don't have the actuarial data. We don't have the statistical analysis to assign probabilities, statistical probabilities, to each element of a given decision. The only uh, context that I can think of that where, where this would make sense is where you already have a body of highly developed and highly specific statistical information to guide a certain decision, such as you know, an actuarial setup where you're, you've got uh, certain insurance coverages and all of the historical statistical data that you need to, to support your, your policy. But in the dozens or even hundreds of risk ID sessions that I've facilitated, I have not seen people bring data like that to bear upon all of the administrative decisions that they need to make in their, all of their diverse contexts. The next element in this list of risk ID methods, supposed risk ID methods, is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, the old familiar SWOT analysis. Well, there's seemingly a relationship between risk ID and this technique of SWOT because threats are uh, sort of synonymous with risks, are they not? Now here, SWOT is presented as a risk identification technique, and yet to my mind, it belongs in the general under the general rubric of planning techniques. In other words, you've got uh, environmental scan. You're going to be analyzing the general industry trends and conditions and so on as preparation for making plans. And that's where strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats enter in. Risk identification requires something much more specific and an analysis that will apply to each risk that is identified and formulated and that is not uh, facilitated by the SWOT technique. The SWOT technique is really just, uh, just bears some similarity to the idea of risk because of the word threat, but it's not, strictly speaking, risk ID. The next one, flow charting. Yes, I described in my last podcast episode how creating a flow chart for an administrative or a technical process is not a bad way to set up a context for risk identification. There again, um, that doesn't identify the risk. It simply is an aid or a, it's a facilitation tool. Similarly, and here's the last item in the list, work breakdown structural analysis. In other words, th this is the uh, project management work breakdown structure. Of course, that gives you a lovely structure to trace through and try to identify risks. So again, that's a facilitation tool. It's a means to access the, the content. 
but it doesn't tell you exactly how to conceptualize and formulate a risk. It's not telling you how to identify risk. So here, in summary, what we've got in this long list, it's a mix of ways of thinking, ways of accessing people, uh, ways of looking at risks that have already matured and caused some sort of accident or failure, various procedures, various facilitation tools, and so on. In other words, these various so-called risk ID methods are not even commensurable. They're, they're not qualitatively the same thing. Uh, you, you can't compare one to the other because one is talking about process, the other one is talking about conceptualization, the third one is talking about examining a physical history, etc. One thing that's remarkable about this list is that there's nothing except for the idea of perhaps uh, speculative or conjectural mind process. There's nothing that really allows people in a procedural way to go into the future, to try to detect uncertainty, new uncertainty, fresh ideas of things that people had not encountered before by virtue of what is contained in their plan. So if you try to follow this kind of advice, especially people who are non-experts, people who are busy doing other things and they want to get on with some kind of risk management, but they're not quite sure how to proceed, and they don't have time to you know, do all of this analysis that, that I'm doing right here and now, they're going to be misled. They're going to be led down the garden path of trying to cobble together some sort of uh, risk ID methodology but very quickly discover that the whole thing just falls apart. And of course, the risk information that they have generated is just all over the map. And so it's really no surprise that the information that they developed did not really inspire them to take action or to uh, gain any new insight into their program. So the question that naturally follows on all this is, okay, well, what is high-quality risk assessment? And the answer is that it has to uh, comprise all of the things that we were talking about. It has to have a certain process. There has to be a certain conceptual grounding. There has to be procedures that precede it in terms of planning and context preparation and so on. And then we can uh, explain with much more profit, with much more clarity, what the risk ID session actually looks like, how to conduct it, and the kind of results that we can expect to get. So in our next episode, we'll start talking about how to conduct the risk identification session following the method of high-quality risk assessment. Thank you for listening. Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.